Hey everyone, and welcome to The Kodakery. I'm Megan. And I'm Josh. La La Land is a film of such joy and beauty, it's almost hard to describe. But let's try anyway. Exquisite, magical, bright, colorful, and soaked in a passion for cinema that's rare in movies today. It felt like a new format of musical, and it blew Josh and I away. We were so honored to be able to chat with cinematographer Lena Sangren about how he achieved the beautiful look on film. Do not miss this episode. Lena shares with us all about how it was made. So let's jump into the Kodakery and talk with him. Hey everybody, welcome to the Kodakery. Megan and I are over the moon today. We have with us Lena Sangren, who is the cinematographer of certainly one of our favorite films of the year, and one of everyone's favorite films of the year, judging by the incredible amount of awards and nominations that it's up for and has already won, La La Land. Linus, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So so let's jump right into La La Land. Damien Chazelle comes to you and he says, I want to make a Hollywood musical, a classic musical, original score, singing, dancing. Did you did you run away right then, or were you intrigued? Like, how did you respond to this challenge? Oh, just by getting a call by him from uh, watching Whiplash, you know, uh, I was very intrigued to meet him. And I read the script. I was intrigued by the script. Um, uh, I have never done a musical before, so, um, I mean, obviously I didn't know what that should be like. But when I met him, Damien has, uh, you know, a very strong vision. He explains himself really clearly, and he has a very sincere, um, you know, wish to make a film uh, in a genuine way, you know. And uh, I felt very inspired by him. Then he played me the music, and already then, you know, when we started shooting, uh, or in this meeting before uh, the prep, already then all, all the score was, all those songs were made, you know, mm. not final, but they were made. So to me, I got really emotionally touched by uh, the melancholic songs, you know, like City of Stars or yep. uh, her uh, her song there in the, in the audition. And I thought it was so well-crafted, the music and his intention with the film and also the way we discussed things, you know, in that meeting, I get very inspired and we meet for longer than we were intended to meet, but we also discuss, you know, the craftsmanship of filmmaking, the history of filmmaking, how they did things back then, and we had this mutual interest in actually the appreciation of classic filmmaking and trying to do things in camera as much as possible, trying to do things for real. We both felt that green screen is never as good as getting it for reading camera, you know, and capturing the look in the camera, not waiting to the DI to to achieve things. And we had all these things in common where we felt strongly that we we have the same view of filmmaking. And and I think that really connected us and made him uh, hire me basically for for the film. And um, but that was a really a, a really great meeting. Cool. Yeah, it sounds like your relationship was very natural. As is yeah. as is evident by how magical it came out too. You know, you guys really mm-hmm. were on the same page. So how did yeah. you how did you prepare? Did you watch a lot of musicals? Or did you watch musicals as a kid? I watched a lot of film as a kid because my dad was a distributor, imported a lot of um, 
sort of um, what you call it like art house movies that people want to watch you know like mm-hmm. actually uh, but from all over the world uh, really not much musicals and I haven't seen much musicals more than um, more than I guess average but I've seen a lot of different types of films and and I've seen a lot of films from you know the 30s 40s and 50s I think um, but we started to watch films together and also I saw films that was really important for me to watch for inspiration but I think what we mostly got out of those apart from what what Damien wanted to give nods to and actually have like proper inspiration in the movie the inspiration for me was really about achieving some sort of technicolor uh, richness to it mm-hmm. and uh, for the camera to capture musical numbers in one single takes and the aesthetics of of those movies being shot on backlots and to some extent try to apply that feeling of and heightened reality or like a fake fakeness to to places by adding that to relocations because we wanted or Damien wanted to shoot everything uh, you know on relocations but apply sort of a a more uh, fantastical look to it so that it's inspired by those films aesthetically but shot on relocations instead of backlots in general so but it's also I mean it's so much fantasy parts in this film that we wanted to merge with reality and therefore the reality had to be a little bit heightened as well to not get too much of a contrast between the two different worlds, you know? Right. And Megan and I were actually just talking about that, about, cause I, I actually wasn't sure at times if it was a back lot, if it was a studio or if you were outside and like the first dance scene between uh, Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling, I thought that that was a set when I was watching it. And Megan's like, no, no, it was Mulholland Drive. Yeah. Like, yeah. how did you achieve that heightened sense of, uh, you know, the, the way that it all looked at a real location? Yeah, and, and it's it's funny. I hear that a lot. Um, and it was the intention as well, was that this moment was really a, a magical moment for them. You know, they come from this party, which itself is sort of a little surreal, and then they walk up this street, and it's just that perfect. When you turn around the camera, it's just that perfect view. And we thought it was really important to make that into something magical. And by by the only way we thought we could do this was to shoot it for real in the real magic hour, you know, in a 20-minute window and capture it all in camera so everyone would see and feel that it was authentically captured. Mm-hmm. And, and for the film being, you know, rich of colors, we needed to work out for those nights as well how to um, light it in order to capture the colors uh, in in the most appropriate way and and when we discussed the palette now I've, I've gone away a little bit but when we you know discussed the palette being for those evenings to be like blue and pink and green those colors instead of the orange sodium vapor nights it was more those mercury vapor nights where you have the cyan street lights and and I just figured that in, in, in combination with shooting with science streetlights, we could, you know, time the film a little bit magenta and pull back on the green and in that way get those skies a little more magenta than, uh, you know, orange or 
or what you say, but it, it's actually kind of pink. There, there is those pink skies, but we enhance the pink in them by adding green to the, the streetlights, you know, mm-hmm. for the lighting. But it's all real. You know, that whole scene is shot between on a Friday between like 7.20 and uh, 7.30 in the evening. Uh, and it was rehearsed the entire day with camera and crane and everything and, and shot them in that little time frame. So It's a lot of pressure yeah. to get it right. It was. I mean, that was how the whole shoot was. It was like, because we had such high ambition with a lot of scenes that it was not only a long single take of six minutes, but it had to be shot, you know, on a crane because we had those thousand foot mags, you know, and, and, and the crane had to do 27 moves and the actors had to do 27 marks or more. And, and that in combination with that little time frame, yeah, it was, it was a little bit of a the challenge. Cr- the crane is dancing just as much as the uh, actors, sounds like. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was the intention too. You know, the whole uh, film was trying to uh, have the camera as a character and the lighting as well as, as the camera being emotionally involved, you know, yeah. with the characters. And rhythmical, like in the dance numbers, to actually move rhythmically. And I think that's what we did that perhaps not always been done in musicals before, is that we tried to be a little more, uh, you, you know, moving more through the set and more three-dimensionally in space, but also rhythmically to the music, that the camera actually changed direction or stop on beat. In the, in the music so that it felt a little more yeah. you know, rhythmical. Did, did you feel that you had more liberty to be creative because of the fact that it was this musical genre and it was this magical film? Did you have more room to play? Totally. I mean, yeah. that, that's a big, big part of, um, I think, why people feel it, feel, feel the cinematography in the film because it's, um, it, it's it's absolutely a visual storytelling a lot in this film, but also in a normal uh, film that's not a musical or not a fantastical movie that is a little like uh, creative and, and uh, weird. That in a normal movie you you usually have to follow conventions, right? I mean, you you can't just suddenly dim all the light, uh, or you you will tell kind of a lot of things by doing so. It'd be like, okay, so now we're not in reality anymore. Right. So. So by having that freedom, that was super inspiring for me. I mean, uh, working with the camera, both with the light and the and the camera, in a creative way where we were free to do whatever uh, that fit the story, um, that was very special. Uh, and very much thanks to to the, the fact that it was a musical and that uh, Daniel had uh, such a creative uh, view of how to tell the story. You yeah. know? I felt like you could feel it right from that first scene. Like uh, Megan and I talked a lot about that opening scene, and I feel like it was such a the way that you moved the camera with the the dancers, you know, in and out and up and down. It mm-hmm. all like it really like you're instantly drawn in, and and it set the stage for like this is a fantastic musical. Like there's gonna, it's not a tentative. Like we're gonna use pop songs. Like it's all original, and it's an old classic musical. And it hold on to your hats. Right. Like I thought that was such an important <laughs> <Yeah>. scene. <laughs> Um, yeah. How? What were the challenges in putting that that scene together? I mean, it was so many people all at once. I mean, how how did that all come together? Well, there was always 
challenges. We, we tried our best to, in prep, have a, a routine where me and Damien met in the mornings to go through every scene in the film from the first one to the last one in order. And as we uh, came back from that meeting, we went to do rehearsals for various different dance numbers, whatever was going on with the dancing. And that particular number was rehearsed on a parking lot on the product, at the production office. And um, we worked with Mandy Moore, the choreographer, to work out the camera moves around the dancers with iPhones, you know, just shooting it on, on the ground, like more or less how we wanted the film to be uh, choreographed with the camera and the dance together. Figured things out. When we saw the location, though, which we loved because it was such a great location for, for the visual of it. And uh, it was just that it had that big median in the middle that wasn't planned in our heads. You know, we didn't right. know we were going to have a big concrete median. But we didn't have any options. Like, that was the best location we could find. So we had to work around that, you know. And for the dancers, that was okay because we could just make it a medium that he jumps over. But for the camera, we could no longer use just a steady cam throughout the scene. So we had to which we had thought we were going to do. So we had to think about other ways to achieve that. And the only way we felt we could do this was with a technocrane. And the technocrane would not reach enough, so we had to put her on a vehicle, a biscuit rig, that could travel in the first lane. Mm -hmm. And when that backed up to move more, you know, in that direction, the cars had to back up. And then it drives forward, the cars have to pull up back behind. And stuff like that were, were tricky, you know. And then the crane arm was going to shadow. And since we had this idea that we didn't want to work much in pose, we didn't want to paint out shadows and uh, from the crane casting shadows on cast and dancers, we had to adapt the choreography a little to that, uh, as well as making those hidden cuts to not, you know, shoot in. We could only shoot in some directions at between, you know, 9 and 11 in the morning, and, and other shots had to be shot between, you know, uh, two and four in the afternoon in order to not shadow the set. So That's um, crazy. Th- there was a lot of logistic, you know, tricky <laughs> planning in this film throughout, actually. It was like, I don't think, it, even a shot like when they're, when they're singing, Emma and Ryan is singing in the apartment together, the City of Stars song. Mm-hmm. That scene took forever to shoot because we shot it. We didn't give up. We shot it on a small crane on location inside there, but we couldn't make it work. It was just not good enough. And eventually we changed to a steady cam and we worked it out quickly. But um, in all those scenes we had, like, we, we were so keen on getting the rhythm right because the camera had to move rhythmically to 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 those moments in the songs. and. Mm. Yeah, you can feel and it. In, in that, I mean, in the, in the first number, it is moving. When you look at it, it's like the camera stops on a beat, it goes back on a beat, mm-hmm. and it flies up on a beat. And it's each time we didn't hit exact those marks, then not in space so much as in timing. But if the timing was a little bit off, we had to do it again. You know? and right. I think we did 27 shots of that last Steadicam part of it where the BMX is yeah, jumping up yeah. and down. and that That's like 27 takes on that um, wow. on, on that shot and you know for for Ari Robbins the stake operator and for <laughs> for the yeah. parkour guy doing the, the flips it's like mm-hmm. it was it was a challenge and right. also just being so sunny having the 
water come by, you know, to get water right. and go to the bathroom. All that was very tricky that day. Right. But it made you feel like, as a viewer, you were almost one of the dancers moving through the scene. And I think it was one of the things that pulled people right into the film. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And it was very important, you know, to, to make that work. So... You mentioned earlier about going over the the storyboards with Damien every morning. Yeah. So you you planned the shots for each film, but did you start right in the beginning with him, or did he? I mean, how closely did you work with him in those? Well, before we met, he had done some storyboarding himself. He's a really good drawer, mm-hmm. and we what we did was we sat down together and we worked out on a floor plan, like from above. Um, uh, like on a diag, we made diagrams of of the things, how the camera should work, how the actors, how the blocking should work, and this this was done both in in our small meetings, without knowing the location, but also as time passed, with knowing the locations and on locations, we worked things out and we changed things and we changed those floor plans. So it was an ongoing process, but we got our time by ourselves in the mornings to work out the camera just as him and me, you know, and and uh, he's a very, you know, visual storytelling, visual director, so that was a very easy process to collaborate on that, you know, and uh, but then we had a schedule with that, that we did choreography with the dancers, we went to art department, discussed color palettes, we went to costume department, discussed color palettes, and went scouting, and yeah, that was, that was going to be a question I was going to ask, I mean, we could spend days on just talking about color, it seemed to me, as a viewer, that that you guys took a scene and said, "Let's make this blue," or, or you know, you yeah. had a palette in mind. Was that kind of how it went? For sure, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's incredible. So, 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 on that, to be sincere with the storytelling, I think to me it always looks fake to go in post and add colors like mm-hmm. you do an Instagram effect. Right. I have a huge appreciation for capturing it for real in camera. So. I don't like to add any color in the DI or every, even just adding saturation in the DI on anything. It's just, to me, feels like I, I can see it right away. Yeah. I think it's, it's really important to have colors in the light, colors in the set, colors in the costumes that are the ones you intend to, to the greatest extent. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then shoot it with the format that would capture those colors properly and and I think always, you know, shooting um, films because I have I've shot I've, I've shot one film on digital just because we didn't have any money to shoot uh, on film for that one because it was such a small budget. But in in general, uh, I, I really love to shoot on film because I feel that film stock sees the colors, sees more use and, and variations in the color. Uh, they can, you know, the film sees colors that digital doesn't see and it's much richer and yeah. so in this case it was clear clear for both Damien and me that we had to shoot this on on film you know and then whether we should push it or pull it or whether we should shoot on 35 or if we could you know shoot in any other format that was up to testing but in the budget we obviously was budgeted for 35 three perf like they normally always budget for it. They budget for film, but we had to shoot on full perf because we we really want to shoot anamorphic for this uh, film to you know do a proper nod to the classic Hollywood format that mm-hmm. would have been Cinemascope in our minds. Right. So. Right. so so Cinemascope was part of the the aesthetic. What how how did you guys 
come to to uh, decide that CinemaScope what it was, and did that add any additional challenges? Well, I mean, a lot of those musicals that we watched were actually shot in 133, you know, like uh, the formats before CinemaScope was invented. But um, to us, Hollywood is much more, if anything, CinemaScope is Hollywood, I think. So, and Damien thought so too. So we felt that uh, this film had to be in, in scope, but um, we also felt that being really properly... <laughs> Uh, giving a nod to uh, old Hollywood, like A Star is Born and these films that were shot in the, the original 255 when it was, I think, magnetic. Uh, the, oh, they were shot in, I mean, they were shot all wide open, but they were they were released in 255 because it was a magnetic soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And then when the optical soundtrack came, it became 240, I think, right? So it was a little narrower. But now because the 255 was, like like the classic first uh, cinema scope, like um, a story born, we felt that was that that could be nice to shoot in. So we shot Super Thirty Five, you know, wide open, and and Panavision made us two fifty five ground glasses to to frame for, and then it's released in two fifty five. So so Great. that was like part of our Hollywood sort of uh, homage, you know. Right, yeah. right. And that opening scene where it just keeps getting bigger. Yeah. It's really exciting. Yeah, but I would say that the, the choice to shoot on film was not necessarily because we wanted some sort of vintage uh, feel, but rather that we really want to capture as much color as possible in, right. in, in, in for real, you know, and that film just looks so much better. So right. uh, that that is sort of just, that was just going with it for that reason of color, you know. And it's beautiful. Right. So, so, and, and to talk a little bit more about shooting on film, you, you used both 16 and 35 in this, correct? Yeah. Uh, uh, we used 16 anamorphic uh, on, in the home movie footage that they're watching Emma and Ryan in the epilogue sequence when they're, mm-hmm. they're watching their own sort of home, home movies. And, um, we wanted to stay in the anamorphic format, uh, so instead of shooting like 16, Super 16, we shot 16mm uh, anamorphic. And what was, I mean, that is another thing, is like if you, for anyone, I think you can totally see a difference between the 35mm anamorphic footage and the 16mm anamorphic footage, which looks clearly degraded from the 35 and that again is, I think, the reason why each format matters. Because right. if we would have shot that on 35 anamorphic and then tried to degrade it in post, I think it would have looked like those filters you put in the iPhone, you know, like mm-hmm. for uh, right. degrading. So it's so nice to just shoot that for reading in 16. We were both just kind of overwhelmed by the aesthetic, the visual, the color palette. But, I mean, you, that was captured in camera. There wasn't any kind of digital push after or any kind of additional color grading or something that that can, that made those colors so vibrant and so bright like uh, what you're saying here is that that stuff was captured in camera as you went correct absolutely, absolutely. And, and, yeah i mean it almost it had such a, a almost painterly quality to it really? at times the way people were were moving through the scenes the lighting the the mm. primary colors i mean it was really uh, and and it, Megan and I were fresh off it, like we just saw it last night, and I was yeah. completely, yeah. Well, I was like, I was overwhelmed. I was. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm still thinking about it. Yeah. But I think also, you know, like you said, we have like we had actually a, a 
you know, an intended color palette that we worked for to achieve. And for like the nights, for example, the, the exterior nights where we added the pinks and the green lights and, and the blues, that those colors are such colors that uh, get really rich in contrast to the skin tones, you know. And, and when you see when you shoot on film and you see the skin tones, you see not only a beige skin tone like a digital camera sees, but you see it. Uh, like reds and purples and greens and blues and yellows and and variations of of, of you know a, a huge range of colors that together creates a skin tone. Just like when you paint, you you don't paint the face beige. You paint the face like purple and yellow and red and right. and blue. You know, and and that's what's so that's what's so so beautiful with film, I think, and why I think it's great to shoot on film and I think hopefully more people you know realize what they're missing uh, not shooting film um, yeah. that's how it used to be and when you watch all these movies I just watched um, uh, one of those Hitchcock oh, which one was it I watched a Hitchcock movie in color I mean it's a digital scan but it's rescanned digitally um, uh, but the negative has such a rich color uh, being technicolor as well then but but that is just so magic when you see those colors. It's like so different from from right. uh, a lot of other films. Nowadays. Right, and and I think people seeing the incredible work that filmmakers like yourself and Damien are doing is going to help you know reinforce that film is is a really important medium, and mm. you can create truly unique works on it. Absolutely, yeah, no, for sure. And it's funny because like I don't know, this is just about La La Land, but when I after I shot. Uh, La La Land, I, I went to shoot Battle of the Sexes, which hasn't come out yet, but it's um, it's a film that is taking place in the 70s, and I I felt for that film that it needed to be either 16mm or or a pushed, grainier uh, film, 35mm film, and we, we ended up shooting 35mm, but we, we shot on 500 ASA and pushed it a stock to get a little more grain. Um, it's very different from La La Land, but it's also so rich of colors, but, but you know, graining. And you can do so much different type of beautiful looks that, that tells the story better because the story is always about, I mean, the look of the film should always be attached to the story and the emotional right. uh, story. Yeah. So in this film, everything was supposed to be colorful and kind of slick. In, in, the, in the quality of the, the shots, but in, a, in an urban environment being heightened to a, a Hollywood backlot look. Mm. <laughs> but in, in like Battle of the Sexes, it was meant to look sort of emotional and intimate in a, in a little grittier way and, 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 and also make always imply on the audience that we're in the 70s and for us the 70s felt a little more grainy. And a little more indie movie look, if you will. And it was I was so grateful, you know, sharing that um, on um, on film as well. And it's always much easier to to express yourself. Right, and you're working with Emma Stone again in that in that film, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, she was in it too. Yeah. Cool. Um, one question that Josh asks a lot to um, cinematographers, and and also I'll put my own little twist on it. He usually asks about what you take from one film that will bleed into the next. So what you what did you learn from La La Land that mm -hmm. maybe you didn't 
know, already know before that you will now take forward with you? Yeah, I think I learned that I learned things on La La Land that I thought I knew. You know, <laughs> I learned that I, you know, because when you make a movie uh, or when you make projects, you learn things and then you think you know how things work. So I thought I knew how to do things and then I learned on La La Land that I had to rewind myself a little bit and pretend I didn't know how to do things because I, I didn't, if I applied my knowledge to things, sometimes I actually blocked myself from a solution because. Right. You, you come to a location, for example, and you see it and you're like, well, I can say, I can tell all of you that it's impossible to shoot here because where should I put the condor for the lighting? Well, what if you, if I re I had to rethink that because we had to shoot on that location. So my <laughs> idea of, of it being impossible had to be rewinded into, you know, I had to go back in myself and think from the beginning again. And then Stretch. I thought like, so what can I do here with the lighting? Okay, I can... I can, you know, you can always turn things around and find a solution. And it happens sometimes now and then on movies. I remember on American Hustle, it happened when they, David Russell, I had one practical being the, the, the sole light source for the scene. And after his rehearsal with the actors, that practical was gone because he thought that was an obstacle in the room and <laughs> just ugly. So I didn't have any light left, and, and that was frustrating, but I had to find a solution, and I found a solution, and the solution was great, because we, we made it differently, but it was also good, you know? Yeah. And But in this film, it happened like every day almost, those type of things where you where you think that you know how to do things, and because of that, you are hindered from creating a solution, because it feels like nothing works. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I really learned a lot about, like, trying to... Um, start with a fresh page in every situation you find yourself when you try to work things out because if you put too much of your pre-assumptions in there then it may not you know always uh, it may not always work you know you right. may have to be much more creative with things so i think everybody can learn from that a little bit yeah yeah, yeah everybody can learn from that i think we all learn from that and we, we learned throughout the shoot that uh, that aiming high uh, usually gave results, but in the beginning of the shoots, in the first days of shooting, and we had those high, uh, you know, ambitions with the shots, and it took forever to get them right. We just had to learn that it's going to be a lot of sh shots that's not going to work. We're going to shoot and shoot and shoot 10, 15, 20 takes before we're going to be happy. So we had to, you know, learn that it's going to be frustrating for 20 takes before we start to feel good about the shot. So, right. I bet that we also learned, all of us. Had you ever jumped into a pool with a camera before? Yeah, we, we're very curious about the party scene shot. Um, yeah. Can you tell us a little did bit you, about like, that? Did you actually, did somebody jump in with a camera? No, so it was two crane shots cut together. Oh, yes. And the reason was, we actually was gonna, we were going to do it with one camera, and we had planned it out for a location to work. But then because of this location, it didn't work because... She now came from indoors, uh, walking out to the pool. And after we jumped into the pool with the camera, if we would have stayed on the same crane, we would have seen the crane base. So we had to put a crane where the stuntman jumps from on the roof right. uh, for the second part of it to not see our 
crane. And we couldn't be in the water spinning around with a human being like a diver because you can never get that speed or rotation in water being in the water uh, as a cameraman. Yeah. So the combination was there was two cranes with two hydroscope or hydroflex or hydroflex um, camera underwater housings that were attached to those cranes. So the first one is a shorter crane that follows her out. As the music speeds up, the camera speeds up and jumps out into the water, into the pool, and the timing was crucial in the music, but also with the di- the guy okay, jumping. The yeah. yeah, yeah. I couldn't believe so he that. Had to, yeah, he wasn't. He he didn't have to jump on a cue, but he had to land in the water on a cue. So he had to know right. when he was going to land him. on that cue. Yeah. And so both him and the camera had to land together in the water for it to feel right. Each time we didn't match that that timing, it was ruined. The shot was ruined. So so he had He's to gonna, like, you know, dry off. Dry. Yeah, <laughs> redo his <laughs> hair. Uh, it was it was incredible. You know, like I don't know. I think we actually did like fifteen takes or something. So right. then the second part of it, we moved uh, and we had another crane with a hard mount, uh, longer crane, not the not an you know, a, a techno crane, but a, a longer, like, solid crane with a with a Hutterflex head, and that one then pulls up out of the water, and, and the cut is just in the bubbles in the water, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. When you're making a film like this, can you feel that it's going to be magic at the end? Like, can you tell that what you're doing is going to make the impact that it's going to make? Or is it something where while you're doing it, you're just in it, and you're hoping for the best? I think it's um, that you you don't, you cannot know. I mean, some I know some producers felt like guys, what we're doing here is it's going to be great. It's going to be magic. But I don't know if that was to encourage us or if he really knew it. You know, but I can never tell. I think I have to believe in the project, and I always do. So in all films I've shot, um, I usually always feel great about what we're doing and then you cannot know how people's going to respond so i remember like when we went to venice film festival uh then in the morning there was this uh, embargo on the critics we didn't know what anyone you know was gonna how they were gonna if they were gonna like the movie or not and we were so nervous to know because we felt like we can just as well be that people just you know, gonna think it's super silly, or you know, right, right, I right. think this yeah, is the same for yeah. all filmmakers. You have no idea. Like, <laughs> I had a feeling like, I mean, this must be something people will like because I really liked it. And I don't always when it's when the film is done and edited. There's so many factors. I mean, the editing is so important, and 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 how the acting comes out, how the emotion comes out eventually may not get as great as intended. Um, always, but but so that's hard to know. But sometimes I have very hard time to judge the movie when I see it the first time finished myself because it could be different from how I thought it was going to be, or it could it could be different reasons why I can't um, really judge the film. Also, because you know the story too well, like it's not yeah. a surprise what right. happens in it. Or, but this film I've seen so many times now. I've never seen a film this many times because I actually really enjoy watching it. I, I went to Kamarimash on the festival. We opened the festival there. And I was going to just look at it in the beginning to see that the sound was right and that, you know, the image looked great. And I just sat there and just kept watching it because I didn't have anything better to do. <laughs> and I actually enjoy it. You know? Right, right. That's great. Yeah. 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 So, so for as a final question, one of the things that I 
I wonder with someone like yourself, I mean, you have an incredible body of work already in terms of, you know, American Hustle and Joy, um, Thousand Foot Journey, and now La La Land. What are the next stories that you see on the horizon where you're like, that's the challenge I want? Like, what makes you pick up the camera and move on to the next project? I think, um, I think the best thing to do in my position as a cinematographer is to uh, not always just do the same things, you know? Like, it's easy to get comfortable with what you think that you can do or what's your style or what's your, like, type of movie you're shooting. And, I mean, if I would do that, I would just be shooting Blade Runner all the time, you know, <laughs> because that's sort of inspired by when I was young. And, and what I really feel is, like, the base of all, like, beautiful cinematography is, like, based on film noir yeah. and generally. But, um, but I think what's fun is, like, just like with La La Land, uh, it could easily be that if you get someone says, like, hey, do you want to shoot a comedy or do you want to shoot, like, a musical, you could easily turn it down, you know, <laughs> because because you think that you're not going to be able to make something interesting out of it. But that's the, that's the thing is that it's rather interesting to actually shoot something that you may not think that you can do properly, you know, like you think that you can only do dark thrillers, then shoot a bright comedy and see what happens, you know, like it's going to be interesting with doing something different. So I, I try to, and then the other thing is that I, I actually enjoy changes. So I like that. I like to, if I, like after American Hustle, I, I shot this very intimate story about Love the Sexes in a gritty way. And right after that, I, I actually went and shot a Disney movie for Lasse Hallström uh, the, the, called um, Nutcracker, which is uh, a very, it's 65 millimeter film, 35 millimeter film. And it's very like clean and, and rich fantasy, 19th century fantasy movie which is so far away from Battle of the Sexes, but I think I love that, you know, like that contrast. contrast. That yeah. You right, go right. to something completely different. So perhaps I should shoot something very minimalistic after this but, film I just did. <laughs> Maybe black um, and white. Right. <laughs> yeah, black and white would be fantastic for right. sure, absolutely. You know, I would love to shoot something black and white. Excellent. And, and when, uh, when do Battle of the Sexes and the Nutcracker come out? I think Battle of the Sexes comes out in uh, September, I think. This year, and um, Nutcracker, I think, comes out next fall, uh, 2018. Okay. Cool. Looking awesome. forward to yeah. seeing those. Yeah. yeah. It was such a pleasure to talk with you. And, and oh, likewise. We <laughs> both just really loved the film, and, and good luck going into the Oscars. I mean, I know it's uh, it's next weekend, so I'll be thinking luck. of you. We'll yeah. be, we'll be uh, rooting Thank for you. you. <laughs> okay. All right. Bye bye. Thank you so much. Thanks. Okay, bye. Bye. It is a great satisfaction to be able to speak to you through the medium of this wonderful invention.